We are now fully entrenched in the offseason, folks, right here at Iowa Hawkeyes Live here at the Voice of College Football. Appreciate everybody being here. And, uh, of course, you know the drill. You ultimately produce the show. So leave those comments and questions in the live chat for Corey and myself, Corey Bratta from the Hawkeye of the Storm here to make things happen. Corey, we appreciate it for a 76th edition. Yeah, Mark, I think this is the first time we've done it this late in the evening. Well, maybe not first time. I think early on we didn't have a set time. But normally um, normally I'm tied up Tuesday evenings. This week I'm not. Normally you're feeling better. This week you're not. So uh, <laughs> it worked out that we pushed things back. And I know you got other stuff going on. So, um, yeah, lots of stuff. I mean, it's it's busy, busy, busy. Still, you know, with the transfer portal and, and whatnot. Uh, Iowa got a commit out of a, a tackle here a couple of days ago. They got guys who visiting campus i I don't think they're i know they're not done um so lots of topics to get to and uh certainly people are in the chat leave leave your questions i've had a lot of people ask me on twitter uh, about isaac tesla i guess we could start there mark because he's he was scheduled to announce today Uh, my understanding is he's going to announce today i'm not aware of any change of that now maybe he won't for some reason but from everything i've been told um it's not going to be Iowa. So uh, now Sean gives credit, Sean Bach uh, of uh, 247 Sports, I think initially reported that yesterday and and it took some time. Tesla seems to be a really um, close to the vest guy. And uh, I attempted to be able to confirm Bach's report, but I mean, I, I don't have any reason to think that Bach is, uh, you know, he was pretty certain on that from what someone else told me. I'm not a subscriber to 247 Sports, but uh, that was what he initially reported. And then from some information that I gathered today, it does sound like that's the case. So, um, you know, we'll see. I guess we can wait and see what Tesla announces. But that's a big miss, Mark. I mean, he, he was getting offers from everyone. Um, you know, my, we talked about Miami, visited Colorado, had a Deion Sanders brought out a, a Tesla vehicle <laughs> for Isaac Tesla. Of course um, he did. Yeah. So, I mean... But it sounds like uh, it's either Iowa State um, or Arkansas. So we'll see if that plays out. I mean, certainly it's it, that's a blow if Iowa State gets them because uh, you know you don't blame the kid because they've had a lot of success at that position. But it's just one of those things, Mark. It's like you know this is this is a further indictment on we. I, I said this to someone earlier today when when the topic was that a lot of people asked me about it. You know, why Why can't Iowa seem to um, land the big fish at wide receiver? Uh, they did land Seth Anderson, which is a really good ad. We'll be talking actually to Seth here this week and having an interview released on the show on my channel. But um, I think it's a little different than, than the Cade McNamara situation, Mark, because I think wide receiver involvement has been so bad. Like even when Nate Stanley was here, it was bad. You know, I mean, Nate Stanley put up some big numbers at times, but a lot of that was on the shoulders of Noah Fant and TJ Hawkins, and they got to get these receivers more involved, and that's part of the issue with this offense, and I think they're going to have to prove it. Uh, now, maybe they go out and get someone else, and, you know, like I said, Seth Anderson, I think, is a really good add, but if Isaac Tesla is one of the, the most coveted receivers in the transfer portal this cycle, it's hard to expect, you know, a team that, has a history of not involving its wide receivers to be able to land a kid um, of that notoriety. So, you know, you, you give credit to the, the staff. I give credit to Kelton Copeland, Kirk Ferentz, whoever identified Tesla out of the get-go because Iowa was one of the first teams to offer Tesla. They got him on campus early. What more can you do? 
you have your reputation. It is what it is. And you try to overcome it. And it looks like this will not be the case. They won't be able to overcome it. So we'll just wait and see. So to your point, there's nothing they can do about their track record and their inability to throw the ball effectively in recent years. However, uh, maybe this is where they get Cade McNamara involved. Uh, you know, there's a proven quarterback who's won a Big Ten championship who can speak to what's going on inside the building during the offseason and what discussions are being made and plans are being made for the offense that could possibly attract some playmakers. And I, I can tell you, Mark, with a certainty that, that McNamara has been very involved with Tesla. Um, but again, it's, you know, it, it's, I think some guys need more than words. And I've said this before, it doesn't mean I'm a, a, a cyclone homer. Uh, but if you put Iowa and Iowa State against one another for a wide receiver that hopes to play professionally at that position, Mark, is there any question who you're taking, regardless of quarterback? I mean, you know, it, it, Xavier Hutchinson, uh, uh, Hakeem Butler, Alan Lazard. I mean, you get on the list. They've had and they've sure. had other playmakers that haven't been pros, but have been productive and have made big plays. And so, um, you know, and then you look at. I mean, these guys know that Keegan Johnson left. They know that Charlie Jones left. They know that Arlen Bruce left. So they're they're going to have to they're going to have to prove it on the football field. And that's where we come back to staff changes. I think that would help, right? If a, if a recruit. If, if a recruit was aware of potential staff changes, then I think that might be able to help you overcome some of those problems with your reputation inadequacies and getting the, your receivers involved. So I don't know what, how open Iowa is with some of these offensive recruits in the portal. Um, I've told you Mark in the past that some of the indicators that I got from some of the high school guys that signed that there weren't many indicators of staff changes, including with, Caden Proctor. Um, I can tell you for a certainty that Caden Proctor's camp was not informed of any staff changes. Now, with that being said, I told you, I think a week ago, Mark, that I believe there is going to be a certain staff change. Um, that still has to happen, but I just don't know how open Iowa is with these transfer portal guys. And I believe there's reason to believe that they probably were open. That they had to have been somewhat open with Cade McNamara. I, I, I just... I do find it hard to believe that Cade McNamara would have committed here without some knowledge of a staff change. Um, and like I say, I stand by what I said last week. I do believe there will be a change. Um, there are things happening behind the scenes that I can't comment on. I know a lot of people are other. I'm sure other people are aware of the same things. So I want to let the, this whole thing play out. I think we're going to get some news this month would be my guess. But uh, again, I just don't know how that, how does that affect recruiting when you're not straightforward with potential offensive targets? I don't have the answer to that question. Uh, I know that you've got extensive coverage of the Deshaun Jordan uh, commitment as well. And, you know, they did make inroads and, and took a shot at Tesla. Um, Walter Rouse is a Stanford offensive lineman. Who's got over 2,500 snaps uh, to his resume and 39 starts at Stanford. Are you pretty, maybe not impressed, but at least content, please satisfied with the pursuits that they've made in the transfer portal? Yeah. I mean, I mean, I, I think so. Tesla was one early Mark where you're like, okay, kids from Hillsdale, 
Division two, uh, you know, I don't know about this one, but as I said, they identified him early, and then all these other schools followed suit. I don't think Miami, Purdue, Iowa State, uh, Deion Sanders at Colorado, uh, I don't Baylor. I don't think these schools, Mark, started to pursue Tesla because Iowa pursued Tesla. <laughs> like maybe those these schools are doing that at offensive line, at tight end, not at receiver. So that tells me that Iowa found a, a diamond in the rough before other teams did. Um, and so I'm, yeah, I, I think what more do you want? Uh, they, they pursued a guy that is a big, big fish in the portal. That's what you want. That looks like they're going to come up short. Um, I think Seth Anderson has a lot of upside. Walter Rouse is a veteran, veteran, veteran guy, Mark. He has played a lot of football and has a ton of experience at the power five level. So, you know, it's kind of polar opposite of what I was been doing at receiver. They've kind of been going after guys who are looking to make that jump. Walter Rouse is not a guy who's looking to make a jump. I mean, Dejon Jordan at, at tackle is a guy who's making a jump from Saginaw state from division two to division one. Walter Rouse is, I got a lot of snaps under his belt. In fact, just as you and I were chatting here, I just got a, uh, text from Walter Rouse, ironically enough. And he's, he's been busy on his visits. He visited Oklahoma and Nebraska, Iowa recently. Um, I'll give you a quote from, from Rouse here, uh, from a, a, a message that I just got from him a moment ago, uh, describing the three visits. This is what Walter said for me, everything was neck and neck and it's going to come down to what just feels best for me and my family. That's a pretty vanilla response, right, Mark? <laughs> so, I, I don't know. Um, they did take Jordan from Saginaw State. They flipped him from Virginia. You know, he signed with Virginia back in early December. But my understanding of the rule, Mark, maybe you can tell me differently, but my understanding of the of signing in, in early December as a graduate is there are, I don't know, what I, I guess I can't really explain it, but he's not as legally binded to that letter of intent as an undergraduate <laughs> would be because hmm. he, he was listed on the Virginia website. He was listed on their roster, Mark. And all of a sudden, he's visiting Iowa, and now he just flips to Iowa. It's just a weird situation. I, I ha- don't have a ton of experience with with situations like that, but uh, yeah, it, uh, it didn't. I, I would like to hear that one explained because yeah. for something to either be legally binding or it's not, I, I don't know what the the loophole would be in the process. But apparently, there is one. Yeah, and and just real quickly, I'm not trying to dangle a carrot. I'm I'm not doing that. But big Bolivar in the chat as it relates to the I'm, I'm assuming he's talking about the changes that I alluded to earlier. When I say there are things going on behind the scenes, I'm not privy to to repeat some of the things that that I've been told. I'm just telling you. You can go back to the show last week. What I said. You remember what I said last week, Mark? I believe we're going to get a change at uh, at offensive coordinator. I'm to the point where I believe that's going to happen. And some of the information that that I've learned over the past week has further solidified that belief. So just hang tight. That that that's all. What else do we really need to share at this point? That that's that should make a lot of people happy, right? I mean, now is it possible that that I'm wrong and that that my my sources are wrong? That's possible, sure. But um, I I believe you're going to get that change. Um, We'll just have to wait and see, but I do believe if that happens, and I believe it will, we're going to hear something this month. I, I I don't know how long you can prolong a major staff change like that, so we'll see. We we do know that practically half 
the teams in the NFL are starting the NFL playoffs this weekend. So that could possibly be in, in play there as uh, teams become eliminated very quickly and then move on with their offseason plans from there. Exactly. You hit the nail on the head, Mark. All right, folks, appreciate you being here. Leave those comments and questions there in the live chat as we break down the Hawkeyes. Uh, Robert Gallery, uh, one of the great um, linemen in the history of the program, one of the very early commits and recruits and signees for Kirk Ferentz uh, as a freshman in 2000 who played through 03 and uh, was a three-time All-Big Ten selection and a consensus All-American. He is uh, in the Hall of Fame class of 2023. So that is quite the uh, accomplishment for him. Absolutely. And let's not forget that that was – this Iowa program was in a weird spot when he committed, right? I mean, we we know it's well-documented at the end of the Hayden Fry era and and the first year or two of the Kirk era – and he was a big part of their success heading into the early 2000s. So, uh, I mean, a guy who's well-deserving. I know maybe the, the pro career wasn't what some people expected. I mean, he was just – he was uh, one of the best to ever play at, at, at the college level. So, uh, congratulations to him. And, uh, boy, he's lost a lot of weight, Mark. I've seen pictures of him. He looks like a different guy. <laughs> well, that's what happens. The, the linemen lose the weight and yeah. the running backs and the wide receivers gain the weight. Right. No, but good for him, and uh, couldn't be happier for for Robert. And it, it kind of puts into perspective how long Kirk's been here, too, Mark. <laughs> like when you think yeah. that that Robert Gallery is, a, you know, potentially a Hall of Famer here, uh, that that just really puts into perspective Kirk's been here what, 23, 24 years now. So uh, yeah, happy for him, and and that's another positive mark for Iowa football. And and you know, they I saw the comment earlier from. Uh, I don't know who it was, but somebody in the chat that brought up, you know, you get both these tackles, and I'm talking about Dejon Jordan and Walter Rouse. And I would guess, Mark, as of right now, I was in the top three for Rouse, right? I mean, like that would make sense that he took three visits, and those are your, probably your top three at this point, would guess. Uh, if you were to land both those guys, wow. Because now you got some competition for spring. Uh, Mason Richmond, I think, has been good, not great at left tackle. Somebody's, gonna, somebody's not going to be able to play. Dejon's got one year left. I believe Walter has one year left. I'd have to go back and look at his his bio. I think he's got one year left. I think he's played every year. Maybe he's got two. I think he's got three, Mark. Or uh, excuse me, one. I think he's got one year left. Um, so I, I bring up the gallery because um, they could, with the era of the transfer portal, and you know what Kirk has done developmentally at at you know off on the along the offensive line, of course, his career. Um, that's obviously a testament to the coaching, uh, but it's also uh, Iowa has an opportunity now at the transfer portal to accelerate some of that development. And they've struggled in that field, developing guys up front over the last couple of seasons. Is that on George Barnett, Kirk Ferentz, Brian Ferentz, who was it the Tim Polisek issue, Chris Doyle. We can point at a, fingers at a lot of different guys, but they have an opportunity to accelerate this. If you get Dejon Jordan and Walter Rouse, you know, and then you you talk about Mason Richmond. You know, what does Connor Colby do? Um, you know, potentially more competition at center. I don't know if how solidified Logan Jones is there. Uh, we could have a much different looking offensive line next year, and that's probably for the better because, as you know, the line has struggled 
especially in 21 and 22. Erica's chiming in tonight. Erica, good to see you as always. Uh, thank you for the contribution. Will it be a real competition this time, though? We all know that the quarterback competition was not competition. Well, we're talking about offensive line. We're talking about tackle, yeah. Erica. And, and we're um, talking about incoming players factoring into the competition and not players that were correct, you know, recruited and signed. Um that that have been within the system and there might be some misguided loyalty there uh, because right. of them and being recruited and signed. Mark, you and I have talked about uh, it appears that there's a different standard for Iowa quarterbacks as it relates to competition and length of leash for your starter. It's, it appears that there's a different standard for the quarterback position than any other position on the field. We've seen lots of changes along the offensive line. I mean, I, I I don't even know how many different guys they played up there this year. I'd probably guess around, well, an actual real meaningful snaps. Um, probably eight guys got extensive time this season. Um, so, yeah, I don't think I don't think you got to worry about that, Eric. I think they will. You have confidence in Kirk to select the best guys at each position up front. Um, I think the concern for me has been Mark that you know they got all these guys, but nobody's emerged. And that's the concern. Why, why are guys not developing? And you keep hearing the, the reasoning that, well, they're young and whatnot. Well, they've been young for a few years now, it seems like. So the transfer portal can put some Band-Aids on some some uh, seeping wounds. And so perhaps they can do that up front. And they've already done it at quarterback. They've already done it somewhat at wide receiver. They need to go after – they'll go after somebody else, Mark. I did see – for anybody not on Twitter and for anybody who's interested in this – I did see here before we jumped on Tyler Barnes started following Damian Alford, who's a Syracuse transfer, had just under 500 yards in the season. And then Donovan Ollie, who I believe is a Wazoo transfer, similar stat line to Alford. So, um, you know, that doesn't mean they're going to offer those kids, but it, it it's, tells me that, yeah, they're they're not done, it, especially if Tesla goes elsewhere, which it sounds like he will. They will they will likely add another receiver. Um but it's going to be hard. To, it's going to be hard to come close to what I think Tesla would have given you. Um, but there are still guys out there, and who knows, Mark? I and mean, we just had the championship game yesterday, um, so there there's a potential that more guys will jump in the portal. So uh, we'll just have to wait and see. And of course, that championship game was a thud. Uh, certainly, we'll, we'll steer this conversation back in the Iowa direction. If anyone has any comments or questions, and Corey, of course, if you have more to say on uh, transfer portal uh, pursuits and others. But uh, the reason I played off of your comment about the championship game is <clears throat> just would appear to be a missed, a huge missed opportunity for the Big Ten. Um, Iowa not involved, but still by extension, um, a, a missed opportunity for the conference to really drive home uh, some postseason success and win a national championship. Yeah, a huge missed opportunity, right? I mean, I, I don't – my opinion is that uh, Michigan and Ohio State are both better than TCU. That's my opinion. Uh, but the games are played when they're played, and you get one shot. It's not an NBA series. It's not an NHL series, an MLB series. Um, I think both those teams are better than TCU, and I think Ohio State playing their best could have – I mean, they almost did beat Georgia, obviously – um, so 
Yeah, big missed opportunity for the Big Ten. I I just think, I mean, you may tell me I'm wrong because you're a, a huge college football guy. I, I think last night's result was just terrible for the sport. I, I just, you know, you, you just hate to I, I you just hate to see something like that. Um, I, I feel bad for TCU, but at the same time, they were just completely overmatched. And it's, you know, it's kind of like the, I don't think the, the Bama, maybe the dynasty is over. I still think Bama's incredibly strong and will be back just fine next year. But, you know, it's it's the same situation with Georgia. I, I just don't know um, how that result last night is good for the sport and how, you know, seeing Georgia win twice in a row with the same quarterback. I mean, good for Stetson Bennett, former walk-on. We know the storyline, but we heard that storyline last year. You know, let's, let's get a different one. It would have been great to see Max Duggan, an Iowa native win, but boy, wasn't even close. I, I I've not seen. Have you seen a, a? Obviously, we haven't had a playoff game like that. But it, when's the last time you've seen a major bowl game that ugly? I mean, even like Stanford, Iowa, 2016, that was not as bad as what we saw last night. The only game I can liken to that game, <clears throat> excuse me, the only game I can liken to that game that was a championship game was the BCS championship game from ten years ago when Alabama annihilated Notre Dame. Uh, I think that, that was very similar. Okay. And yeah. um, that game was 28, nothing at half. This one was 38, seven, um, you know, Bama really just let it go from there was up 42, nothing. It turned into 42, 14, but I, uh, I remarked on that during our call-in show after the game last night, and a number of people challenged me because that turned into a 42-14 game, 28 points, which doesn't come close to the 58 points. But beyond the actual score, you you have to compare the styles of play and the levels of play and the context of the, of the game. And if anything, that was... Briefly, briefly, I mean, for a couple plays competitive when Max Duggan scored and made it 10 to seven, maybe five or six minutes left in the first quarter, that Alabama game, they just started ripping off like 12 yard runs from the opening snap and led 28, nothing at half. And it was never in doubt from, from the first play of the game, just forget it. Uh, But this, this was as bad as it get it. I, I completely agree with you. That is a, black mark on the sport and the landscape of the school sport and the competitive aspect of the, the various tiers conferences, however you want to frame it. uh, When you have a 65 to seven championship game, that was just like, there was nothing to talk about after the game. There was, there was, you know, we went from one extreme to another where the two semifinal games were so compelling where every little minute detail, every yard, every inch, every play, every game management decision was scrutinized because they were so close and so entertaining to when that game was over, we, you know, I was on here for like three hours. We didn't talk about the football game because what do you talk about? There was no play that mattered you know, Kirby Smart could have made the 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 most uh, egregiously bad coaching decisions in history, and it wouldn't have mattered. Like nothing about that game. Nobody's going to remember any plays from that game because it was inconsequential. It was so bad. Let, let me ask you this: when I mean, we can get back to Iowa, what what um, what do you think about Sonny Dykes? Well, it's strange to. 
to think about what he accomplished this year in light of what he has accomplished or lack thereof lack thereof accomplished yeah. going into this. And and we've had Sonny Dykes on here three or four times. He's a very nice man and his best success has come in the group of five, most notably and most recently at SMU and also at Louisiana tech. But he had one other power five job and that was at Cal and he did not succeed no. there at all. Um, I, I have a weird, and I could be totally wrong. I hope he's, if he's a nice guy, I hope I'm wrong on this. I have a weird feeling that, that this could be a complete mirage. And well, I guess the reason I bring that up is, has there ever been a situation where a coach jumps from a team the year after being in the national title game? Like in the history of college football, I'm sure, has that happened at some point? Because like if I'm Sonny Dykes, <laughs> I don't know what his contract looks. Like. I don't know if he's getting paid at TCU. But if there was a major job open, like at this point, it doesn't look like there is. But like if if somehow Nick Saban retired in a week, and Sonny Dykes became a, a, a candidate for that job, I am jumping head first. Uh, and now maybe he has more belief in himself. I don't know. I I just you know good for them. They want a lot. You know, think back to the Baylor win. You know. I know we, a lot of ifs, ands, or buts, but, you know, they find a way to win that Baylor game. They find a way to win the Michigan game. You know, they lose in the Big 12 championship game, still find a way into the playoff. Um, they get killed in the championship game. He doesn't blow me away in interviews, Mark. Like, after the after the game, I listened to him, and I understand it's after the – what are you going to say a- after a loss, 60-whatever it was? But he doesn't – he's not a guy who really impresses me. And I'm not saying he's not a nice guy, but just – he doesn't have that. He's not Dabo Sweeney. He's not Nick Saban. I, I, I don't know. It, it, he's an interesting one, and I just was curious if, if a major job, maybe Alabama's not a good example because most, most coaches would probably consider jumping, but if a major job that paid him somewhat significantly more money opened up, maybe you think about doing that because I could see this being a, a one and done where we don't really hear much from TCU nationally for a while. That, that's just my, my two cents off of the whole situation. So, so in your world, you're thinking that he, he has tapped out his, P- perhaps, stock, I, his... I, perhaps so I would strike the iron while it's hot. Right. I mean, the ball bounced in his direction a lot, minus in the big 12 championship game. Um, you know, but they also dominated teams. I think what did Iowa state got completely killed by yeah. TC. It's a good team. No question about it. And what he did in one year, nobody can take that away from him. Uh, it is incredible, and I was rooting for TCU. I'll be honest, Mark. I, I was absolutely rooting for TCU. I thought it would have been great to see. You go back to the Max Duggan uh, storyline. They had a Heisman finalist under Sonny Dykes, so it's incredible what he accomplished, and it's incredible the storyline of Max Duggan too, because he you know he loses the job early in the season. So uh, yeah, it's 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 unfortunate. I know Mike in the chat says that he thought it was great. I, I just think for. For the quality of the sport, for the sake of the sport as a whole, you don't want to see a, a lopsided result. I don't know how that helps the sport in any way. So, you know, but it does, I will say this, it does, seeing TCU get there, you know, a year into the Sonny Dykes era, it, it tells me there's no reason to think teams can't make that jump quickly, even at this level, at the Power 5 level. Like, like well, Iowa... Why- and, why, why can't why can't Iowa? Exactly. <laughs> why not Iowa? I'll tell you one reason, and this is the one thing I you know the big thing I took away from these last two results, Mark. Do you want to know? The last two results, meaning 
the the obliteration in the championship game. Yeah, I'm talking about and, the semifinal games and the, yeah. and the final. Do you realize that Georgia? You know this, Georgia in the in the national semifinals and in the national championship. Let me let me make sure I have these numbers correct before I. So, <laughs> they scored 107 points in two games. TCU to get to the t- national title game scored. What do they score against Michigan? You know the score off the top of your head. 51-45. They scored 51 points. So defense wins championships. I get that. TCU scored 51 points to get to the national title game. Georgia scored 42 points to get to the national title game. Ohio State scored 41 points in a loss in the national semifinals. And Michigan scored, what would you say, in a loss to TCU? 45. You got to score points to win in the big stage, Mark. And defense win championships, fine. But in the era of 2022-2023 college football, you got to score points. So that tells that that's the big thing I took away. It was like, wow. Like, if this is how it's done, and anybody who wants to say, oh, that's, you know, it's, it's short-lived. I mean, these teams score points. Ohio State is known for being an offensive juggernaut. I mean, they were really good last year and their defense wasn't that good. So uh, not saying that, that what Phil Parker is doing isn't still, I mean, that's part of the reason why I I feel so strongly on it because they do have a defense that's, I think second to none given what they bring in recruiting wise. And so um, just further reason for hope and optimism, if a change is made, and further reason for, I, th- I think, for Kirk Ferentz, this late in his tenure, this late in his career to stop and say, you know, we're really not that far off, but I've got to make some philosophy changes. And it starts with who's coaching the offense. And uh, maybe we'll get that. I-, I think potentially we will. Erica's second super chat. Thank you for that, Erica. Why does Nick Saban have to invade everything? He crashed the Big Ten Championship. And the game last night, the band needs to learn to sit things out for a change. I would s- agree with that, Erica, except for understand that Nick Saban is invited. <laughs> he doesn't yeah. He doesn't invite himself. Yeah, they want Nick Saban there. <laughs> they he want Nick loves Saban there. Having, and, and I didn't watch it, but was Deion Sanders there as well on the panel? Uh, no. He wasn't? Was that, a, was that something fake? Okay, that must have been a Photoshopped picture. I saw some photo circulating on circulating on social media yesterday of of Dion and and Nick together on the ESPN plot. Maybe I'm, maybe that was incorrect. Um, I'll say this about another reason why I think the championship game was just bad for the sport. I didn't even really watch the second half. Like I, I had it on, but I'm not paying attention. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, it's just there's no reason to. Yeah, I agree. There's no reason to. Uh, we're not going to turn this into necessarily some type of Big Ten uh, bashing or uh, defense of the Big Ten. However, again, it's an Iowa show, and Iowa's in the Big Ten. And uh, Gregory says that Uncle Lou said the Big Ten was trash back to the drawing board. Well, that's an ignorant statement because the Big Ten is not trash. Um, Georgia, <laughs> if, if a kicker makes a 50-yard field goal, Georgia is not the national champion. Ohio State's the national champion. And the Big Ten, by extension, is the national championship conference. So the the Big Ten is just fine. Is it a perfect conference? Is it the best right now? No. Uh, however, as I opened this uh, conversation, there this 
portion of the conversation by saying missed opportunity for the Big Ten. Um, you know, understand that, you know, I'm in the business of rating and ranking and doing all those things. And uh, had the Big Ten won those two semifinal games that were as close as could be, then we've got an argument on our hands. Uh, then we certainly, if, if Ohio State and Michigan are playing in the national championship game, and having Penn State uh, whipped the Pac-12 champion in the Rose Bowl uh, and all the other results that came in, uh, it could be argued that the Big Ten would be the best conference. The numbers, the, the bold numbers, and I'm talking about results for each conference, they did they did seem to even out a little bit, right? Um, but this is also the second straight year that we've seen some pretty pathetic results from the SEC in the postseason. Now they finished with a winning record. Am I correct in saying that? Uh, the SEC went seven and five. Yeah. So they ended up, but it was a, a rough start, but what did they go last year in postseason play? And I know that's just one metric. Yeah. I, I don't have it at the top of my head. It, it might've been like five and seven. So, but uh, yeah, I think it's a, a valid conversation to have and it's just, yeah, it's just unfortunate because just like college basketball, Mark, like the big 10, I think, year in and year out is one of, if not the best conferences in the, in the country. I think, I think collectively the, the big 10 is the best conference in hoops and has been for the last 10 to 15 years, maybe not every year, but as a whole it is, but they, they haven't been able to win in the tournament. Um, I mean, Michigan obviously won some here a few years back, but boy, I mean, last year was a total joke in the NCAA tournament year before wasn't good either. And I'd say the same thing about college football right now. You got teams getting in, you get two teams in this year, and you're both really close. It's not a matter of, you know, they're just out overmatched or outmatched. You just got to do it. You, you just got to win. And um, yet another year where both of these teams, talking about Michigan and, and Ohio State, um, had a chance and, you know, just couldn't get it done. So, um, yeah, I, I agree. I agree wholeheartedly that it's a it's maybe a closer discussion that than maybe we thought earlier in the year, um, but. You know, still got to win the Big Ten. That that will help the Big Ten the most in those conversations is actually going out and winning a championship. And I mean, I know they Ohio. When was Ohio State's championship? That's 2014. Yes. So I mean, it's been you know it's been almost a decade now. <laughs> so the Big Ten needs another one. It also would help if uh, there was a little more sharing of the wealth. Uh, you know, if you look at this century, Ohio State's been the only team that's played for the national championship. They've done it five yeah. times, and yeah. nobody else has played for a national championship in the Big Ten. Yeah, I'd say the same thing about college basketball, right? I mean, like Michigan's had a lot of success recently, but even Michigan State, I mean, Michigan State, Michigan, I guess if you're talking about Final Fours. But, yeah, you, you know, it'd be nice to see an Iowa or an Ohio State or, a, you know, I guess Wisconsin, you know, I shouldn't rip on Wisconsin with Gary Close having taken them to the Final Four. But, uh, yeah, that, that's I think that's that speaks to um, – the strength of the conference with it throughout. I was really impressed with Penn state. I saw somebody else in the, in the chat made a comment about Penn state. Um, they looked really good against Utah, um, which that game was kind of forgotten because we had the, the tragic situation with Demar Hamlin later that night. That was a really good football game. I mean, it wasn't real competitive. I guess it was at times, but Penn state pretty much dominated Utah. And that's a real good win for the Nittany Lions, a team that we overlooked. I mean, it'd be interesting to know what Penn state would have done had they made the playoff and I know they lost fair and square and that's why they weren't in the conference championship game in the first place. But 
I'd be intrigued to see like where how close are they to a Georgia? And I don't have the answer to that. We won't know Sean Clifford moving on. Closer than fifty eight points. I know that. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Jason's here asking thoughts on if you think there's any chance that Casper, I I apologize, I don't remember his first name, would consider leaving Oregon. It seems like they are recruiting over top of him, both at the high school and transfer portal levels. It's so hard. To, I, I mean, I, I had this discussion with you, Mark, back when it was the conference realignment discussion was was occurring. Remember, I said, well, maybe, you know, Casper doesn't feel real safe there at Oregon. I, that obviously was probably a premature conversation to have. Um, I just don't know. I, I have no idea where, you know, sometimes bridges are burned. I'm not saying that's the case with Kyler, but I, I don't know if that I'm sure now, especially in 2023 with the era of the portal, I can, I, t- I can tell you with confidence that Kirk and, and this staff, they're more open to revisiting uh, recruits that chose other schools. I mean, Tyler Barnes even mentioned to the media here a couple weeks ago that he basically said, you know, maybe Caden Proctor will transfer here. I mean, think about the fallout from that. And for him to even say that would indicate to me that it appears that Iowa, you know, is, is okay with swallowing its pride and, and taking guys back that decide to, to go somewhere else. So maybe, I mean, maybe it's a possibility, but you know, he, he had other suitors as well. I was going to have problems attracting a big fish at high school or in the portal until they can prove that the offense is more explosive, the passing game is better, that wide receivers are going to be more involved with the offense. That's just a fact. There's got to be production proven. And so I, I can guarantee you if Casper entered the portal tomorrow, Mark, even though he you know, didn't do anything this past season, he would have plenty of high major interest because he's a highly rated kid out of high school. Um, and he's just a year into his career. So I doubt that, that that happens, but you never rule anything out, anything out nowadays. And obviously they've got his dad, who's a huge Hawkeye, former Hawkeye himself. So I guess never say never, but I, I just don't know the relationship with Kyler and the coaching staff currently. A few people in the chat are asking for phone lines one of these days. Uh, we'll, we'll talk about that. Maybe we'll do that at some point uh, down the line. I think I did that when you were gone that week, Mark. I, I opened the phone lines briefly as we were waiting for, for Kevin McGuffey. Um, so, yeah. Um, I will say this. We, we should, before we move on to, to uh, other topics, Mark, we should mention Dejon Jordan. I, I, we mentioned him earlier, but I guess we can talk about him a bit. Um, yes, he... he Committed to Virginia, signed with Virginia earlier this month. Saginaw Valley State is a Division II school. Um, I don't think they were very good when he got there. I'd have to go back and look at their record. Um, but they were pretty dominant offensively this past season. And, you know, you watch him on tape. I said this on my channel yesterday. You watch him on tape, and he does dominate. I mean, that's what you want to see from a guy at that level, right? I mean, uh, especially along that offensive line. So, um you know he's pancake a lot, pancaking a lot of guys, throwing guys around. He's probably a better athlete than Iowa has up front, with the exception maybe being Logan Jones or a Jennings Dunker, who's just kind of a freak. Um, he's he's maybe got a different different level there. Uh, he's six foot five, three hundred pounds. Um, Wazoo had offered as well, so he had a couple of Power Five offers, had a bunch of uh, FBS offers. But um, you know, I, I trust 
Kirk and the staff to identify offensive line talent out of the portal. And uh, like I say, you get Rouse somehow. I don't know what Rouse's timeline is, but you somehow got both those guys. Wow. It's uh, that's quite the group competing and protecting Cade McNamara uh, next fall. So we have yet to, let's see, we have yet to get the, Oh, I guess the Big Ten has released its uh, 2023 football schedule. I thought it just released all the opponents, but uh, the dates are set as well. Our, our Maryland buddy here, Michael Wheatley, uh, is mentioning that he's uh, pretty optimistic on Iowa's chances to win 10 games in 2023. And I'm looking at the schedule with uh, out-of-conference games against Utah State, Iowa State on the road, and Western Michigan. Uh, the Eastern Division foes next season are a date at Penn State in late September, Michigan State at home, and also Rutgers at Kinnick in November. Let me read you. A good friend of mine sent me this uh, yesterday, I believe, his take on next season. And just tell me if you believe these this uh, breakdown is is accurate he says my prediction is no worse than 10 wins loaded up in the portal this season which i loaded up is maybe a little <laughs> bit far for me to go we'll see what they do so i got time plus no uh northwestern is a dumpster fire illinois lost chase brown to the nfl uh d coordinator is now the head coach at purdue purdue loses charlie and aiden wisconsin and nebraska new coaches need time minnesota loses ibrahim iowa big 10 west champs in 23 I would normally think that uh, Luke Fickle has the opportunity to take off immediately at Wisconsin. However, they are installing a completely different offense that may take some time because it's it, it doesn't really match the personnel that's on hand on the roster. So, yeah, Wisconsin could take some, some growing pains uh, into 2023. However... Yeah, again, I, I believe that they are going to be the team that's going to be the most formidable, along with, of course, PJ's uh, Minnesota crew and the quarterback, uh, Ekmanis, who, uh, Kelly Ekmanis, who uh, got better gained, as the year gained some valuable playing time this year. He, he's yep. He's got some pretty good talent. Uh, but, but yeah, it's, uh, they, they have an opportunity for sure. And we didn't mention this, but uh, Noah Shannon is coming back. So Iowa gets some help back in the interior. He was really good this year, Mark. I, I think, you know, he's maybe a little undersized, but I, I think he would have had a shot to get drafted. Um, Seth Benson sounds like he signed with an agent, so he's moving on. John Wagner is moving on. Um, I saw somebody else in the chat mention one other guy that I'm, I'm probably forgetting. Joe Evans is coming back at the end. Um Lucas Van Ness, I think that news had broke when we were on live last week, um, but Lucas Van Ness is moving on. Um, let me see if there was someone else. There is someone else that I'm trying to think of. But, uh, yeah, Wagoner and and, and um, Benson, those are losses. You lose Justin Jacobs at, at linebacker. You lose Jack Campbell at linebacker. I think a lot of attrition at linebacker, Mark. That's why I was kind of hopeful they'd – figure out a way to keep Benson here. So I would say my biggest position of concern on defense right now is linebacker. And I don't think it's really close because yes, you lose Moss in the back end, but you get Cooper to Jamari Harris 
should be healthy next year. You missed all year with an injury. Um, TJ Hall will be a year older and a year better. Um, you know, Jamison Heinz is a walk on, but got some valuable time. Maybe he en- ends up being a scholarship guy in one of those good stories in Phil Parker's room. And Xavier Wampa really came of age there in the bowl game. Looked good, uh, albeit against a subpar quarterback performance. Um, Quinn Schulte's back. Sebastian Castro's back. Um, you lose Kayvon Merriweather, but I-, I think they're fine in the back end. So, yeah, linebacker, Mark. And Ernest Hausman was a guy Iowa pursued, got him on campus. He goes to Michigan. So they've got some holes to, to fill there. Jay Higgins will be back. Um, I'm trying to think if, uh, you know, I mean, Justice Sullivan, right? I mean, he's a guy who you'd like for him to to uh, to figure it out, right, uh, for things to click. But that that's the one position maybe I'm a little bit surprised we haven't seen more headway in the transfer portal. And like, that's not been, I mean, we've heard about them going after receivers. We've heard about them going after offensive linemen. Um, even they, you know, they offered a, a, a defensive back from, was it Cornell? One of the Ivy league schools, he ended up going somewhere else. So we've heard that, but they haven't been as active minus Hausman at linebacker that I'm aware of. So we'll see uh, what they do there. Perhaps they are maybe Phil and, and Seth Wallace. Maybe they're comfortable with what they have. And, and maybe that was a conversation behind closed doors that, look, we really like what we have with Higgins and Sullivan and, you know, these different guys. So that would be my biggest con- concern on defense and probably a hole you want to fill. I think they're fine up front on the defensive line. I mean, Lucas Van Ness leaving is a blow. I, I still, you know, I'm really high on Aaron Graves. That's going to give him a chance to speed up his pro- the process and his development at Iowa. I mean, I don't, I would not be surprised to see him come in next year and, and be a starter, frankly. Um, I don't know. Maybe Logan Lee's the other one. I think he's coming back, right? I mean, he's been here four years, but but he took a redshirt year, so I'm assuming you know he's married. So I, I guess he could just, just decide to move on. But I'm not aware that he is. So with Lee back, Shannon back, Evans back, um, you know, Aaron Graves. We'll see how they how they run these guys. Deontay Craig is back. Um, Ethan Herkett is back. I can keep dropping names for you if you want, Mark. <laughs> well done. Well you, done. You and I both know, though, that defensive line was really good this year. Absolutely. And we've talked about the depth of it. It's it's going to be fine. You know what else comes to mind in reviewing this 2023 schedule is that it's going to be the last one of its kind. So in 24, USC, UCLA are on the way. Therefore, I would think it's going to be this offseason that is going to be um, interesting and, and big news at some point that I would expect probably sometime early summer that the Big Ten would announce what its scheduling format is going to look like and how they are going to uh, insert USC and UCLA into the league and what all that is going to look like the following football season. So that'll be big news. Absolutely, yeah. And, and I, I, I don't follow the scheduling stuff and the divisions and whatnot, as much as some guys do. I know some in the Iowa media are infatuated with that stuff. I, I just, I just try to cover the games as they come the way I cover the games, Mark. And, um, it was great talking points for you. And I, listen, if we, if we get, if we get breaking news on divisions and whatnot, I'm sure I'll go live and jump on with you or whatever the, the case may be. So, um, yeah, th- this tomorrow next year is important. I mean, I think the defense is going to be really good. You do lose, like I say, some some real experience and some uh, explosiveness at linebacker. 
Um, but again, how long is Phil Parker going to be here? You know, how long is Kirk going to be here? You know, in 24, you're going to get, you know, the chain. You're going to have teams joining the conference, divisions changing. You know, with the the change at Wisconsin and Nebraska, yeah, it probably is the year. If you're not going to win it next year, Mark, <laughs> you know, they probably should have won it this year, despite how bad the offense was. I mean, had they beaten Nebraska, they would have won it. <laughs> they would have won the West. <laughs> so no. I, just, I just laugh just to talk. When we talk about that, I just start laughing just to even think about it, Mark. They would have won the West if they beat Nebraska. <laughs> I was probably just about as disappointed as you and the rest of the chat. Not nearly. I'm not an Iowa fan, but I, I was disappointed that they didn't win that game against Nebraska. I already had that marked down as... Number one, I, I nailed the eight and four season. And number two, they won the West and we'll have more good Iowa football talk here for the next week. No. This the the transfer portal and and uh you know, all this stuff keeps us busy enough. I d- by the way, I guess we should add this. I, I don't maybe there will be I, I don't know of any guys that any high school recruits that Iowa may add in the on the February signing day, whatever that, do we even know what day that is anymore? <laughs> it's the first Wednesday of the month, whatever day that is. Do we even really care? <laughs> like last year, Iowa added Deshaun Lee, who was a Bellevue or at Belleville, Michigan corner. Um, but I, I just don't know of anybody. Uh, they're, they're probably, you know, still talking to some kids, but um, it's basically coaches are right now. They're, they're pretty much, I mean, they're, they're all in on the portal and they have to be. Uh, I think you're probably past most of the player retainment conversations. Um, so now you're just trying to sell yourself on guys like Rouse and Tesla, even though we've talked about him. I don't think he's going to be here uh, and whatnot. So, you know, a month ago at this time, Mark, we were just talking about how chaotic everything was and how much these coaches were having to they're preparing for bowl games and they're getting prepped for signing day and keeping that class class on lockdown and, you're, you're trying to keep players on your roster and you're trying to go to the portal and grab other players. And so I think some of that maybe is behind us now. It's an ongoing thing, but some of that is behind us. And so uh, what, what did I say? Bob says it's Dejon Parker, not Jordan. Did I say Jordan? Bob appears to be angry about it, Mark. I must have said Jordan. I apologize. <laughs> I'm sorry. He's got me. He's all caps. That's Dejan Parker, not Jordan. <laughs> I, I'm sorry if I said Jordan. I, I just please forgive me. I, I, I what else can I say, Mark? Well, getting past that comment, uh, the February signing period may be a little bit more important than than otherwise we would think. When you look at it, and I know I'm going to the top of the food chain, but that's just the easiest way to go about it. If you look at, let's say, the top 100 players in the country, the 16th rated player in the country, Nicholas Arbor, has yet to sign. So the 16th rated player, he is the top rated player in the nation who has yet to sign. Uh, Then you have to go to number 30, Deuce Robinson. Then you go to... Well, quite a ways down. So you go to number 80, that player, uh, Roderick Pleasant. Uh, We've talked about him on the Miami channel in particular. He is unsigned. And so it looks like three of the top 100 players. So there you go. 97% of the players at that level have already been signed. 
uh, and just three remain again at a very high level. Uh, there's another kid at 148, Walker Lions, a tight end. So for the top 150. So, yeah, not many. Yeah, and and I think mainly just there, there are certainly recruits out there that will sign different places. I just don't know of any specifically that I was involved with. Uh, and maybe we should, before we wrap this thing up, Mark, Jason has a comment in the chat. Can I throw this up here? Sure. Uh, I saw him mention something earlier. And if I missed your question earlier, whoever, I'm sorry. But Jason says, will Wallace and Neiman be around next year? I, I've, I really haven't heard a whole lot on the, the Jay and Neiman situation. I, I guess there's rumors of him retiring. I don't know it any more than um, the Svoboda guy from Tulane possibly being the next OC at Iowa. That's been making its its rounds on the message boards, Mark. Um, my understanding is the Svoboda guy for what's his first name? Do you know his name? The, the Tulane I OC. Uh, apparently, he was demoted or lost play calling duties during the season or maybe before the season. So he wasn't really playing calling plays at, at Tulane. So I don't know why, just because he's from Iowa, he's from Denison, Iowa. Why, why does that mean Iowa needs to go after him? Like, you know, he wasn't even calling plays and why do we care? Uh, so I don't know that that there's any substance to that, but that's been making its rounds. The Jay Neiman thing may have substance. I don't know. He's, I don't know how old Jay Neiman is, but a uh, very nice guy, very good guy, by the way. Um, he'd be a loss, but uh, I don't know. And Wallace, he got a promotion. Okay. So I, I, maybe, maybe that's the case, but nothing's been public publicized about that. And, uh, We'll see. They, they may have some. I mean, we're going to find out here. I think most of these things are going to happen this month. So, so the reason Iowa should be pursuing him is because he received a promotion. But right. on the other hand, we're also considering that he was demoted from his play calling duties early in the season. Uh, my understanding is that Svoboda received a demotion, right? So he he was not calling plays throughout the year. That's what I've read. We're talking about Wallace. He's saying Seth Wallace okay. and the Iowa staff is getting a promotion oh. because uh, he just wants some recognition, some coach, coach's honor, which is good for him. But I, I just don't know, you know, is he getting what? What's he getting a promotion? He's already the assistant defensive coordinator, so um, I don't know. But uh, Wallace right now, Wall, Neiman right now is head of defensive recruiting and assistant defensive line coach. So yeah, if he retires, they'd have to fill it. That's the first I've I've really heard of that. All right. It's always a good time here with all of you on our Hawkeyes live channel right here at the Voice of College Football. Catch Corey's work, of course, if you're not familiar. You should be. From the Hawkeye of the Storm, men's and women's basketball, Iowa football, of course, from the Hawkeye of the Storm. And again, we're here every Tuesday, typically at 4.30 Central Time. 4.30 Central Time is our set date. We've done this 76 consecutive weeks and would love for you to come on back and bring some folks with you next Tuesday. All right, Corey. Anything else? That's it. We'll have, uh, I think we'll probably have more news next week. That seems to be how it goes. So we'll talk to everybody next Tuesday at 4.30.